Stat Media Group, delivering logistics news since 1986. This is Cargo Masterminds from Stat Media Group. It's Monday and it's time to catch up with our new Cargo Mastermind. Hello and welcome to Cargo Masterminds. My name is Reggie John. Intrato Global was established in the United Kingdom in 1987 as Intrato Cargo Services by Eddie McMillan and his business partner, Sam Harris. Back then, it handled all types of cargo before specializing in animal transportation. Its first animal shipment was in 1989, and it was a modest consignment of just six horses from London to Accra in Ghana, mixed with other general cargo. 32 years later, Intratco Global, a Chapman Freeborn company, is globally recognized as the world's leading equine, livestock, and exotic transportation air charter specialist. Today, Intratco's high-profile cargo charters include flights for the world-famous Class 1 thoroughbreds, short jumping showcases around the world, best livestock transport, and the movement of exotic animals for the zoos and conservation programs. Today, the Intratco Global team is led by its director, Charlie McMillan. Charlie, who started with Intratco as a stallman, flying groom, and flight project manager, became the director of Intratco Global in 2015, a year after Chapman Freeborn, now an Avia Solutions Group company, completed the acquisition of Intratco Global. Charlie McMillan, director of Intratco Global, joins me in this edition of Cargo Masterminds to tell many fascinating stories behind the business of animal transport by air. Charlie, welcome to Cargo Masterminds and great to have you. Morning, Reggie. Always a pleasure. How are you doing? Good. Charlie, let us uh, start with how you got yourself into Intratco Global, a company that started by your father. Tell us how you got into this at a very young age. You started as a stallman, then a flying groom and a flight project manager. And now you are the director of the company. Yeah, well, as you pointed out, it was my, my dad founded the company alongside Sam. So I was roped into the business at a young age. Good memories of being at airports as a kid. Um, but the, the first one I remember, we were in Shannon Airport in Ireland. Uh, and it was during the the boom of, of ostrich meat being a fashionable meat, you know, low, low fat uh, alternative red meat. Um, and we were bringing in fr from memory, I think it was about two or 300 ostriches into Ireland that day. Uh, and I helped offload it, uh, which was a yeah, good experience. And it was extremely memorable, not only because it was my first time at the airport, but uh, Manchester United also won the Champions League that night. Uh, against Bayern Munich, so double, doubly good news. I'm just curious to uh, to know from you, what was your age then? Uh, my age, I would have been around 11 or 12 years old. I'd, I'd need to, I'd need to check exactly. Did you miss your favorite club's match on that day, or did you like catch up on part of it? I think I think by the time we got back to the uh, to the airport hotel, I, I might have caught the second half, which which is when all the action happened. So that was fine. Charlie, in 2015, you became the director of Intratco Global a year after the company was acquired by Chapman Freeborn. Tell us about the team that you handle now across different parts of the world. There's been a lot of uh, business development that happened uh, with Intratco Global over the last few years. Correct. Yeah. When we joined the the Chapman Group, we we were a very small team that moved across. Uh, and the whole idea of joining Chapman Freeborn was that so we could spread our expertise across the different geographical offices that, that Chapman Freeborn have. It, it's worked to an extent, 
but it's also highlighted that the, the, the requirement for technical knowledge is, is so important for our product. And trying to spread that knowledge across the different offices has, has been a slower progression than we anticipated. So what, we've, what we uh, have done is tended to create a knowledge hub within our uh, Gatwick office, which is the UK office, where a lot of the trainees are coming in and learning the ropes. And at that point, at a point when we feel they have enough technical knowledge, then they become uh, salespeople and can progress onto, onto other offices. So uh, at the moment, the big, the big hub is still UK. Uh, we have progressed into North America, where the Toronto office is, is kind of HQ for, for the Americas now. And we have a small team out there, which is doing a lot of really good equine and livestock business. And then more recently, Dubai, where we now have a full-time placement, uh, focusing again, mainly on primarily uh, the livestock and, and, and equine business. Next, I, I would hope we're going to have a team somewhere, Australasia, Far East, which we're working on at the moment. Um, but we, we don't have a, a final plan on that, but I would hope in uh, 2022 that that should come into force. Charlie, what would be the, the total number of people in your team right now in Interactor Global? Uh, so not including back office because Chapman Freeborn manage the majority of that. If, if we purely yeah. look to operational and, and commercial teams, we're now at 19, which uh, when we came across, we were at three. So fa fairly steep learning curve and, and trying to pull extra resource and make sure all of that team are, are going in the same direction. Um, but I, I would think fairly quick growth will happen from that now, where uh, we'll, I'd, I'd see the, the size of North America and Dubai kind of trickling over the next two years. That really surprises me, 19 people behind uh, so much of animal transport that is happening. Uh, that's phenomenal. Of course, you have the backend uh, support from the from the Chapman uh, team. Uh, Charlie, on to, uh, on to your three types of uh, business vertical and the animal transport that uh, is Intratco is involved in. You have the equine or post transportation, which seems to be the, the biggest portion of your business. Uh, so is in terms of uh, volume and value, is that is that the biggest portion of your three verticals? Uh, it, it historically has always been, and it currently is now, but it has been losing ground. You know, typically, if we were to look over the last 10 years, horses was about 80% of the business. If we now look across 2020 and 2021, that's actually reduced to about 60%. That's a combination. We have been slightly slower in the horse market ourselves. There's been some strong competitors, um, but then there's also a big growth in our, in our livestock uh, movement, which is both uh, genetic, commercial, and some of the poultry business, which has been growing very quickly over the last two years. Um, but it, it's, that, that would also follow an industry trend as well which we'll, we'll probably go on to some numbers in a bit about how the industry looks across the whole, across the whole air freight market for live animal and what the trends are between equine, poultry and livestock movements. But is it, um, do you intend to regain your market position on the houses or will that be dictated by your uh, volume of business being generated from the other two sectors or at least from the livestock sector? Yeah, that, that's certainly the plan. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we'll get it back and, I, and I'm sure we will. That a, key, a key issue that we've actually had, we underinvested in, in horse equipment, um, which we knew we did, but we didn't have a product we were especially happy with you know we had we've had many prototypes over the last four to five years that we thought would go into development um, but for various reasons we just haven't committed to actually investing that spend i'm glad to say as of about three months ago actually we now have a final prototype we are happy with so over 2022 that is when we'll we'll have an additional 30 initial pre-prototypes that are going to come on uh, into the market 
and then that will be about 120 extra stalls by the end of 2022. Um, now, if that happens, we'll, I'm sure equine will, will see a resurgence again. Okay, you mentioned about 2020 and uh, the first half of 2021 has not been really good in terms of your horse transportation, but on an average, uh, how many horses uh, do you fly around the world in a year? It, it does vary, but if we were to look over the last few years, 3,000 is, is the top range. And then 2000 is the lower range. Uh, and that's where we're at the 2000 at the moment across the, as an average of the last two years. If you looked at the market as a total, from what we usually see is about 15 to 18,000 horses moving a year. And that, that's across the whole market. Uh, split between quite a lot of fragmented agents who, who are managing those different lanes, whether it's the Americas lanes, whether it's South America, UAE or, or Middle East. And that has been quite strong actually over the last two years. We, we thought that COVID would have reduced that number a lot, but during 2020, it was towards the higher range. It was still around 18,000 horses, um, which I guess for, for any airlines viewing this, it's quite an interesting metric to look at 18,000 horses. As an average, we would say that's probably about 8,000 PMCs in total, you know, main deck PMCs. So if you were looking to Put that into charter perspective you know it's around 350 uh triple seven or, or seven four charters but you know that doesn't happen like that it, it's split between a majority of the of it is scheduled business and then what we would estimate is around 15 percent is, is charter business as you prepare to get your market uh, regain your market position and you prepare yourself in terms of your uh, equipment uh, for host transportation by 2022 what is the kind of numbers that you are looking at what would be your capabilities by 2022 in relation to the equipment we we currently have quite an aged fleet of stalls which on a, on a usable basis it's not going to be north of around 60 stalls at the moment which is quite a low low amount by the end of 2022 i would hope to have about 120 stalls which will be in usable, brand new condition. Um, and I would hope market leading stalls in terms of the design we've done. Um, the focus I think will actually be not only on the charters, which we're still extremely strong in, but the schedule side of the business as well, where there's, there's a very strong lane between Europe and America, You've usually got around 8,000 horses moving on that route per year. And I think that's where we'll, we'll be targeting first. Um, and let's, let's, Let's hope we can we can pick up uh, another another thousand horses on that route. I also want to uh, get back to you on something you mentioned about the fragmented industry that is in the in the in the horse transport. Uh, do you expect to see any kind of consolidation in the in that market space? It's it's a good question. We we've looked at how the market could play out, and it, I think the reason it's remained fragmented is is the need for local knowledge. It's such a technical product that every geography has its own nuances and there's not many global players, which is where we are aiming to get to over the next five to 10 years. I can't see a, a quick change, if I'm honest. I, I think there's, there's some very strong localized agents that control certain lanes and they do a very good job. It will be interesting to see what happens with, with airlines and, and other freight forwarders maybe adopting their own live animal divisions, which, which we've seen happen in quite a few airlines already. And if the supply chain really does shorten, I don't think it will be a short-term trend. I think it may be 10 to 20 years as opposed to the next one to five. Um, but but yeah, we'll, we'll be keeping an eye on that for sure. Okay, coming to your uh, next important vertical, which is the livestock. How significant is the livestock? And you did mention that that's a, a business that is really growing significantly over the last few years. It has been. Yeah, there's been some some 
fairly large trends that has driven genetic livestock transportation, especially by air. Um, the biggest would, would have to be actually the swine movements or pig movements that are moving into the Far East. Af African swine flu decimated a lot of the Chinese stocks. So in order to rebuild their pork supply in, in the Far East, they've been importing from a variety of different areas, whether it's Europe, which is mainly focused around France, Denmark and UK, or North America being Canada and, and US. And for, as a total, I mean, we would estimate around 150 charters will, will be moving across this year in two, 2021 uh, at the higher end. Hopefully we, we will see a lot of that business, which we're, we're extremely busy with at the moment. Uh, and it is the first time actually, I think in, in the last two years where our top clients have not been equine. They've been focused on the genetic livestock business. And you said 250 charters, that includes only the uh, the swine transport or also all the, the combined livestock transport? No, around, around 150 just for genetic. That, I think that would be for the for the swine charters move, moving across. For other genetic, you know, you have dairy cattle. A lot of the poultry charters has, has been very busy as well. And I think the reason there's been, there's been an increase in poultry is actually due to the capacity constraints caused by caused by COVID. The the amount of scheduled business that they either got squeezed out of due to price, or they just could not find the space, or the schedule lane they were operating on just completely ceased to cease to exist. It's created a big upturn in in smaller charters that we've been operating, Europe, North Africa, even America across into North Africa, uh, Europe into Middle East. They, they've all been busy routes for the for the poultry, which is still classified within genetic. I'm sure that you are referring to the the day old chicks transported uh, in the bellies of the of the passenger planes. I have seen myself in uh, in Doha and the other places. Uh, I don't know has that market completely wiped out because of the COVID, or uh, you still have a, a significant portion of that day old chicks uh, genetic variety coming into into freighter operations, scheduled uh, cargo operations or cargo charters? It, it's still operating. I mean, the market's so big that it wouldn't be slowed down. You know, it's a very valuable market. And all, all that's changed really is the method of transport as, as opposed to a majority. I, I don't have the exact figures, but I would throw it out there that about 80% must be moving on schedule, maybe closer towards 90. From what we've seen from, from the shippers is they now need services which include a, a charter option or maybe a, a part charter option into a hub where they can then actually access a different schedule market. Um, so so the, it's still flying. The, the tonnages haven't decreased. You know, there, there's still around 30 million tons per year moved of poultry, which is split between day-old chicks and, and hatching eggs. Did you have a, a charter full of day-old chicks moving? Have you done that? Oh, many, 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 many. What is our, we've got one, in fact, we've got two flights booked next week to, to West Africa. Uh, that'll be carrying around 1,200 boxes. So fairly small charters, kind of 737 size, but yeah, they're there. And they're increasing in frequency at the moment. And I, I think it will happen up until uh, schedule capacity comes back into the market on, on the on the PAX aircraft. Okay, I'm also a bit curious. Uh, do you deploy like a 747-777 for this kind of movement, poultry movement? Very rarely. Uh, we did an Airbus about three weeks ago, but that was for hatching eggs. It was, it was around 30 tonnes, so it's, it's very, very dense cargo hatching eggs. I would need to, to check with the poultry team what, what the largest they've done, but 777 is a bit too much. Uh, uh, A330s are, are regularly flying, or, or not regularly, let's say one or, one or two every, every quarter. 
but traditionally smaller aircraft is better suited for the breeding purposes that that you move the cargo around uh, I, I believe these are these are quite regular and scheduled or is that still being ad hoc basis it, it's still ad hoc i mean it, remembering that we are still a, a charter focused company where we do a lot of schedule business but the forwarder business tends to not come to us that you know they, they would come to us when they need part charters or charter solutions the the genetic livestock there is still a, a huge amount which is charter focused, particularly when you're looking at cattle, swine, and, and goat and sheep movements because of the size of, of these trades. Usually, you know, the, they usually need the scale of a of a triple seven or a seven four or an Airbus. The I guess the big difference really has has again going back to the swine movement is that not too much or on the trade deals, particularly to China, have been small enough that they need schedule capacity. But we do we do still focus on it particularly on the poultry side and hatching eggs but it, but it's that's more a forwarder related business than than what we do Charlie, can you think of a project or a shipment that you have a record of executing it in the shortest period of time that's what uh, cargo charter brokers are actually meant for from the time you get a call for a charter and then delivery to the destination it's fairly rare that we need to do urgent charters because of the time lag or, or sorry the lag time that you get in between a request for health certification quarantining uh, ground transportation even is fairly complex in, in the supply chain. Usually we have weeks to plan for charters, if, if not longer. Um, but we did receive, there was a request last year that we flew, which was just four horses that were in uh, one of the smaller Greek islands. And they were undergoing a massive heat wave. I think they were, they were approaching nearly 50 degrees in Greece at the time. And we had a call to urgently fly these horses out. So we, we managed to find a, I believe it was a 737 uh, that could operate quickly. Uh, we had the permits rushed through and stalls. Actually, we, we had an express truck meet the aircraft that was in, I think it was in Northern Europe in, in Germany at the time from our yard in Belgium. And the grooms boarded the flight uh, down to uh, the Greek island. I can't actually remember which, which one it was, but it was a fairly small airport and loaded uh, or built the stalls. That was only about a two hour process, loaded the horses and came back. So from point of receiving request to actually horses arriving back into the Netherlands, it must have been less less than 48 hours. Charlie, also I want to get you to uh, talk about uh, the exotic part of the business. Uh, that's what a uh, lot of eyeballs actually comes in because the moment you put out a news saying that you're moving like eight or nine rhinos from from one part of the world to the other. Tell us about how significant is that part of your business and. Uh, Give us a sense of some of the most important uh, uh, exotic animals that have been like moved around in the last six months. Yeah, exotic, it's, it's always a headline catcher. You know, when, when, when you say you're moving 66 giraffes in one flight or actually 70, 76 now is possible on the Dash 8. But it is actually a fairly small part of the market. You know, if you, if you look at the tonnages, there's, there's less than a million tons being moved, sorry, a million kilos being, being moved per, per year. And the focus that, that we tend to receive is again for the part charter charter movements, whether it's zoo to zoos movements, which is usually where zoos ha have a requirement to change the species. So interbreeding doesn't happen. So we're involved in, in a lot of that. And then you also have just direct trade, um, which is between whether there's American zoos or, or zoos in the Far East and between Europe and Africa. But a, a big movement has actually now, which is really positive, has been in conservation where there is zoos are realizing that 
animals like this should not be kept in, in confinement or in certain conditions in certain countries and are being moved back into, into Africa. And we've seen a lot of good, you know, really, really heartwarming charters that we've done, which have come from, uh, I guess one of them was Johannesburg to Rwanda, which Rwanda has, a, has an extremely uh, good track record for anti-poaching. So they moved 19 black rhino from Johannesburg into Rwanda, which luckily we saw you know, from, from, the whole, from the whole length of the supply chain. My, I, I was on the flight as well, but our team was in the BOMA, which is the quarantine in, in South Africa. The whole way through on the ground transport, uh, we, we traveled on both of the flights between Johannesburg and, and Kigali, and then uh, the trucks into Agakira National Park, which was a, yeah, an amazing experience to see that even when we, when we arrived into Rwanda, well, sorry, into Agakira Park, all of the school children that were close to the park had lined the streets. They were all singing uh, to, to welcome the rhinos in, which was yeah, quite, quite emotional. What typically goes into a project of, a, I'm just giving an example of a 747-8 cargo charter, if it's carrying about 85 to 90 horses. Uh, tell us briefly what the complex process involved as soon as you get a request that comes in, uh, how you decide an aircraft and uh, what actually goes behind. Yeah, it's, it's very dependent on the customer because the customer will have a different level of experience in, in what they want to manage themselves internally. Uh, and, and what we need to assist them with. But if you were looking at the, the full range of services, so let's say 80 horses moving from uh, US to, to, to Europe, there will be a quarantine process where the horses will be, will be segregated from, from other horse populations. And at that point, health testing schedules come into play. So all of the blood tests will, will be taken. Vets will, will give an approval that they satisfy the health conditions of the importing country. And once that is approved, which health certification is usually finalized or endorsed uh, about 24 hours or 48 hours before the flight. We often don't get involved, but we can, in, we can loop in agents in particular geographies that can, that can perform that service. Uh, our, our responsibility usually comes in from an airport to airport perspective, plus the ULB management. So. We would organize the, the correct plane, the right price, hopefully, uh, and, and obviously at the right time. Then all of our stalls would be positioned to a particular airport, uh, along with our grooms and ground team. So that would happen traditionally a few days before. And then we would have a few days to build the stalls, which could be, let's say, a fleet of 30 stalls, usually arriving in collapsed form. They would build them prepare the loading ramps, uh, brief the airport in how the process is going to go. Uh, and then in usual times, we, we would travel with the horses um, on, on, the, on the freighter and then perform exactly the reverse on the other end, where the majority of the time the horses will again go into quarantine in the, in the import country. But it, it, it does vary. It varies massively between countries as well. If I were to ask you to pick up the, from your own experience, the most complex and the most challenging um, cargo transport in the animal shipment, uh, what would be that? And uh, do you get a chance to now accompany some of this shipment? Because you've been uh, very much a part of this uh, in your younger age. It's happening less and less, Reggie. I'd have to admit, I'm, I'm, I'm behind a computer screen far more than I'm used to. But I guess that, that's just the way the, the business is, is demanding it now. But I, I still get out quite a lot. You know, we, we, particularly for, for key accounts, uh, new airports, you know, we have a really testing flight actually going into Chelyabinsk airport tomorrow, which is a full charter of pigs. They're not familiar with handling that type of cargo, um, but we had to do it due to the quarantine place of, of, of the farm. That is traditionally a movement that I would always go to, to ensure that the ground teams are doing what's required. But due to COVID, 
Russia is on the red list at the moment. So it's not, it's not easy to, to actually have the experts where you need them at the right time. But sorry, did, did you ask um, which, which movements I am now making it to? No, I asked like, what would be if you were to pick the most complex and the challenging, uh, not really the most satisfying because uh, I'm, I'm in terms, I just want to understand what is the complexity uh, or the most complex operation that you were part of. Even though it is, may, may not be the most interesting answer, horses is, is still the, the most complex. You know, lots of other animals are usually packaged in a way where you don't want to interfere with them too much during flight. You know, for instance, an elephant, is usually, besides the vets being extremely important, so the, the, the dosage of, of tranquilizer that's needed during flight, which is usually kind of a U-bend um, drug. So the highest sedation levels is during flight to keep them relaxed. Uh, horses are rarely drugged and need minute-to-minute -minute attention. You, know, you, you cannot just lock a horse away and then look on the other side. You know, that's where the, the skill of the grooms during the loading process, during the flight and the offloading, is essential and and you never quite know what you will get with horses either you know they've all got their own personality some are lovely some are horrible and you need to be able to to manage each horse individually charlie when was the last time that you accompanied one of these starters oh that was only, only about three weeks ago actually so not not too far away but it was a small movement it was only about 15 horses at the time but on a on a 737 charter um but i'm hoping post covid we we should be traveling a lot more um we'll, we'll see how things pan out and that was from where what was the origin of the destination that was Stansted to dubai so quite a local one i, I didn't have to travel too far for that charlie i also want to understand uh, all the other uh, livestock and exotic animals if they are packed and they're well uh, packaged and they put into the um, into the airplane they would probably will travel to the destination but when it comes to horses uh, what happens if a horse refuses to get onto a to a stall or get into an airplane what happens oh it does happen it happens quite quite often actually with you know where some horses are either not used to traveling or are just inherently claustrophobic so trying to put them into a stall is either unethical or very difficult, you, you, which way you look at it. Um, but again, it comes down to the skill of the grooms. You know, we've, I've seen many a horse not want to load, and then the grooms go through their, their plan of how they want to do it. You know, you've got techniques such as opening the, the partitions up or opening the stall so it has no partitions, which, which increases the size within the stall. Walk the horse in, turn it a few times, make it happy within its surroundings. And then uh, let's say eight times out of 10, that, that works. So it's, uh, it's, all, it's all down to the technique. Um, but we, we've seen a few difficult, difficult loaders over our years, yeah. Okay, let me come to your uh, key innovations in designing modern and easy to use equipment uh, that are used for horse transport, livestock and exotic uh, to ensure that the animals travel under the best of the condition. Uh, tell us about some of the innovations that you're doing. Basically, you're building up your capacity in terms of equipment that eventually would be used or upgrading your equipment uh, for potential market upswing in 2022 or 2023. Yeah, so, so we've already touched on the horse stall development, which is uh, a new fleet designed for 777 and 747s. So the, what you would call an HML or an HMR stall. Um, the, the, there's a bunch of design features which I probably won't go through now because we haven't released them yet, but I'm, I'm sure that these will be a market leading stall once, once they come to market. And the view is that we'd have around 120 of those by, by end of 2022. So they will be for our own use, but also for, for, for the market as well in terms of a few airlines that, 
that could use these for their own fleet. Uh, the next developments, I mean, we, we've already had two triple uh, deck uh, sheep stalls or full sets of triple deck sheep stalls, which they are, you know, the market leading stalls. They, they, in terms of the design for animal welfare, but also cost efficiency, which is important within the livestock market. These are full triple seven or seven four contour, but can be collapsed down. So a full charter can be collapsed down to only seven PMCs uh, or seven lower deck PMCs. So a lot of our trade within the Middle East uh, and now increasingly the amount of Far East, it, it's a really handy tool to have. There's, there's a few niche developments that we that we use just for our own charters, which uh, the most recent one has been the Pig Lift, uh, which had a catchy name. That was designed just to improve the, the speed of loading and the, the welfare and, and improve the welfare on the loading uh, technique for pigs, which it's a completely flat loading process where the we actually uh, kind of modified a, a catering truck which is traditionally used to, to bring food for you know into passenger aircraft and we kitted it all out so it's now livestock friendly so it can mean we can use a completely flat platform to load pigs into single double or triple deck stores okay let's discuss uh, uh intratco dynamic uh Intratco is already known as uh, animal transport specialist uh now you're raising your bar and you're creating very, very niche uh, products and those are under Intratco Dynamic with a very specific focus on niche cargo transport that requires, I don't know, extraordinary expertise. Going mm -hmm. forward, how critical is this going to be? And uh, two things that are part of this is uh, Bantus and live events, which are completely wiped off because of the COVID, but you have chilled meats and life science, which are, again, important uh, business opportunities or verticals that you can really uh, explore those markets. Tell us about uh, the importance of Intratco Dynamic and going forward, how significant this will be in your uh, portfolio of uh, businesses. Well, I guess it's important to, to say that animals will still remain the focus. It, it's not that we're diversifying away completely to a different product, but I, I was choosing some other verticals that I saw as being kind of symbiotic to what the live animal uh, market is. And, and that's, in, that's in two areas. There's how our teams operate and, and develop their own technical knowledge of a specific product, which means we can give the shippers an excellent service compared to hopefully other, other, other players in the market. Um, but then there's also the level of investment or infrastructure that you need to actually fulfill a certain product. So whether that's a different type of warehousing or different type of ULDs that are needed, we had a structure that, or a model from the, from the live animal business that we could replicate across into chilled meat, uh, the band tours, to an extent as well. But another, another kind of key point when you look at the charter market, we, have, we, we often have a lot of time in order to, to quote live animal movements. You know, it can be weeks, it can be months ahead, which the band tours and events market is quite similar. So we can develop these kind of almost like a, a schedule of ad hoc charters that are moving around. And, and we, we do that quite successfully is, is piecing together, you know, a band tour sector from, from A to B and then a a live animal movement from from C back towards A. You said about there are two things, which is the chilled meats as well as the life science. Uh, uh, have you already started moving those things already? Life sciences is is a, is a product that's growing. Uh, we've only done a few movements, uh, and we're not. Besides, kind of sitting on on the website at the moment, we're not actively going out and doing BD on that. Um, that that will be a, a I think a, a probably around a two to three year period actually whilst we develop some infrastructure behind that. Chilled meats has, has, been, has been fairly busy and, that, and that's 
mainly because of the same customer set that we have from, from commercial livestock is now looking at cheaper ways to, to transport their, their meats or, or their trade. And that has come in the form of, of chilled meat. Um, but that came off the back of, of scheduled services also having capacity issues where as opposed to moving, let's say two tons per, per day across a certain period, now 15 to 20 tons across one charter is seen as a, as a better solution. And what are predominantly those uh, trade lines that you're moving till, till the meets? Massively focused towards the Middle East, you know, in, into the Gulf. Uh, not that we are involved in it, but Australia is, is the largest. There's, there's huge tonnages coming ex-Australia, but there's a growing number of, of movements coming out of Eastern Europe and also Eastern Africa now, all focused towards, towards the Gulf. What has been the impact of COVID on your animal transportation business? Uh, did that really significantly affect or did that did not make much of a difference to your business volumes? Yeah, when, when, it, when it happened, I was you know, petrified, actually. I, I was thinking that live animal movements would, would, would come to a complete halt. Uh, luckily, that, that did not happen. You know, the, the market still kept going. A few areas, you know, particularly in the exotics and, and some of the commercial livestock, saw a big downwards trend, but horses and, and genetic livestock really, really kept growing, actually, which, is, which was quite surprising. Uh, so we, we were busier than ever. Over, let's say, the first two to three months, it did have a real impact whilst, whilst the market was figuring out how they were going to manage this, uh, which is when we transitioned actually into uh, PPE flying, as, as a lot of the market, market did. So we, we were still busy, very busy during that period. The key issue, surprisingly, has not actually been the animal movement. You know, the animals have been able to move, they've had the same health certification, haven't really been classified as a risk of, of being a COVID carrier. The key problem has actually been humans, you know, or our grooms or, or our stockmen that are meant to be managing movements internationally. So that, that's been the key hurdle to get around. But the market's figured it out and we now have a, a network of people in the right places so we can so we can still perform those movements. Charlie, it was such a pleasure talking to you. Really appreciate your time. Likewise, Reggie. Any time. Hope again soon. That was Charlie McMillan, Director of Intratco Global. That's it from us at Stat Media Group. We bring cargo masterminds every Monday. Thanks for tuning in and come back on next Monday for a fresh episode. Have a nice day.